I've got a hundred thousand comics carefully collected and all the action figures for them carefully selected. The posters and promotions for each superhero movie. My ringtones Frank and Furter and Ash saying I've got each permutation of the Xbox and PlayStation. My anime collection is the finest in the nation. If you wonder why I worked so hard to get geek cred, well I can't remember either. I'll let this crap till I'm dead. So what is uh, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise? It's going to be a podcast about things that I I like mostly in comics and it's going to feature my wife occasionally so we can talk about pop culture in general and I'm going to play music throughout the podcast uh, probably three times during the podcast so maybe three songs Um, all pod safe music and that's about it I hope you enjoy it This this is Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise episode 10 and I'm your host Mike Myers and occasionally you hear from my wife, Barb Myers. Also, I would like to let everybody know that this is going to be a spoiler podcast. Most of the comics I review are going to be old and have, have been out for quite some time. So if you haven't read it and you want to read it, you might want to skip past those particular points. Also, we'll be talking about episodes of TV shows that are usually on DVD, so they are old as well. Thank you. During Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise, you'll hear our music throughout the show. Anywhere between one and three songs. For this particular one, um, you'll hear three. Uh, the first one is by Tom Smith. It's called Insert Geek Cliche Here. It's what you hear at the beginning of the show. And then there's one at the middle, which is called Muppet Laboratories by Rob Balder. And that's dedicated to Barb because she's such a Muppet fan. And it's got Beaker in it. And the last song is titled 99 Words for Boobs by Robert Lund. And it's dedicated to Mike Manning and TJ Tunnington of the F-Bomb podcast. Uh, Check it out if you get a chance. You can find their show at fbombcast.blogspot.com. Last but not least, I'd like to thank Derek for hosting the show. He hosts not only this show, but my other show, Geek Brunch, with Heath Holland. And um, I wouldn't be podcasting if it wasn't for for Derek. So thanks, Derek. I really appreciate it. The last thing I would like to talk about are um, some things that I that I found in the basement. Looking through an old box in the basement, I didn't know I had these things. I found a Superman pocketbook, um, which looks like work by Kurt Swan. Old Superman reprints in the small pocketbook, black and white format. Um, Han Solo's Revenge by Brian Daly. That's that's a prose book. I found the adaptation for Flash Gordon. Uh, that's a novel as well. The Flash and His Friends, with his, which is a DC special, Blue Ribbon Digest. Those are those real small digests that they uh, used to publish. A Superman 2... Adaptation, or it's more like a picture book and gives you uh, statistics on the actors like Terrence Stamp and Christopher Reeve and that kind of stuff. And a lot of photos from the movie. I found a beat up Star Wars uh, Marvel Special Edition, Marvel Treasury Edition, The Incredible Hulk 17, which has a Whitman thing on the side. Uh, Superman vs. Muhammad Ali, I'm really looking forward to rereading that. Marvel Treasury Edition number 3, 1974, The Mighty Thor. 
from 1975, The Marvel Treasury of Oz, The Marvelous Land of Oz, uh, Marvel Treasury Edition, The Fabulous Fantastic Four, number two. Um, last but not least, I found the Buck Rogers movie adaptation from Whitman's Comics. And then my parents recently brought me some things they found in a shed that they were about to uh, bring down. They found uh, Batman, Son of the Demon, a graphic novel by Mike W. Barr and Jerry Bingham, the Mighty Thor graphic novel, I Whom the Gods Would Destroy by James Shooter and James Osley, which I think is Christopher Priest, Paul Ryan and Vince Coletta, Batman 3D, a graphic novel by John Byrne, and I even have the uh, 3D glasses, uh, Marvel graphic novel The Amazing Spider-Man Hookie by Susan K. Putney and Bernie Wrightson, The Inhumans graphic novel by Anne Nascenti and Brent Blevins, A Hero Illustrated, number one, from 1993. This was kind of like uh, the competitor to Wizard, but focused more on like independents like Malibu and all those triumphant and those type of comics that would come out. A Marvel 1989, The Year in Review. This was like a, uh, a magazine for Marvel that looked like a Newsweek. Gave a lot of articles about what was going on inside of the Marvel Universe. And it had like a business section and that kind of stuff. Very interesting. And then a comic scene spectacular poster book. Comic scene was like a a wizard of the time. Focused basically on the movies that were never saw the light of day. But that there were talks of. I found a Daily Planet um, Invasion Edition. Which is a newspaper looking magazine. Uh, 2000 AD featuring Judge Dredd Monthly, the best of, May 1990, ni 1987, number 20, Captain Britain from Marvel UK from 1985, issues 6-10, through 10. Uh, Looney Tunes issues 3 and 4 from from uh, the movie. It's in black and white. Batman, the official movie, Souvenir Magazine. A uh, magazine called Collectible Toys and Values, number 11, which focused on Looney Tune collectibles. Superman, the movie adaptation. So I have, uh, I mean, not adaptation, but it's actually the, the photo book like I had for Superman 2 as well. So I have the movie and Superman 2. The Comics Journal... Um, number 129. Uh, don't know too much about this, as I don't remember even buying it. It's a black and white magazine that has articles of various things. It seems more focused on uh, independent publishers than any mainstream books. Matter of fact, I don't see any mainstream stuff, except for like some Batman stuff at the beginning. You're talking about Wasteland, Batman, Swamp Thing. Uh, one of the articles in here is Rick Veach quit Swamp Thing. 
Scheduled successors Gaiman and Delano also resign. Hmm. Controversy. And then uh, a Batman, the official book of the movie, and from Premiere Magazine, July 1989, it's a Batman special with Michael Keaton on the cover. So I found some cool stuff. And um, now I'm going to get into the reviews, which are spoiler field, and they focus mostly on old stuff like. Um, Micronauts number two, Dazzler number two, uh, Warlord number four, Secret, um, not Secret Invasion, uh, the new Avengers annual number two, and Iron Man, Viva Las Vegas, um, and that's it. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, leave me feedback at Mike at comicbooknoise.com, or go to the forums under Geek Brunch, and there's a sub-forum for Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise. You should be able to find this off of the Comic Book Noise family feed off of iTunes or at the Comic Book Noise website. You should be able to download it. And here is the uh, Muppets Laboratory. I hope you enjoy it. One more thing that I forgot to cover is all of this music can be found at Podshow, Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. All of the music that's in this particular episode can be found there. Um, thanks. Welcome to the Muppet Laboratories. <laughs> where the future is being made today. I see you've met my assistant, Beaker. <laughs> He's not big on enunciation. I assure you he's helpful enough. He's a sweetheart, calls me Mimi. And he has a way of being between me and stuff. Whenever stuff blows up, I've got a crush on you, but I'm way too plush for you. Even that gonzo thinks I'm an odd one. I'm not surprised if you agree, but if you could find somehow to be a little less weirded out by me, you'd see the hands that control me. From inside my phone say we shouldn't end this sketch. <laughs> It isn't easy working in the Muppet Laboratories So maybe you could help me with this giant germ Would it kill you? Okay, maybe Germ larger seemed like a good plan Speaker thought so, now it's got his head Hear him howling, man he's loyal Maybe I should knock off paying him in bags of mouse food Think about cash instead Oh, and I've got a crush on you But I am way too plush for you Even that gonzo thinks I'm an odd one Maybe not surprised if you agree But if you could find somehow To be a little less weirded out by me You'd see the hands that control me from inside my phone Say we shouldn't end this sketch
Picture the two of us inside your dressing room after the show With a bouquet of robot flowers and a glass of green Merlot And though the side effects of lab-made wine are sometimes quite explosive It won't intoxicate me half as much if I don't have you here I made this half Elmo, half cookie monster to please you. But I get the feeling you like it too much. What's with all the cackling? You like cookies, you like monsters. Maybe you don't like Elmo so much. Maybe we're all sadistic bastards. And I'm gonna go to hell because I ruined an Elmo making a filth for you. Oh, and I'm so into this, but am I too sick for this? Even that Tom Smith thinks I'm a bit much. You are taking me a Perhaps you could find somehow to be normal, but it's too late for me. I hear the voices in the hallway, and they're telling me that we shouldn't end this yet. We shouldn't end this yet. We shouldn't end this yet. Hi, I'm going to be talking about Warlord number four from 1976. This this series ran from around 1976 to 1988, and uh, it ran for uh, about a hundred and. 33 issues and six annuals. A bulk of the series was written by Mike Girl, but you have uh, writers such as Carrie Burkett and uh, Michael Fleschner uh, doing the later issues. I'm, I'm familiar with the Michael Fleschner issues because I started collecting it around issue number 103 around 1986, and that's when I really started buying a lot of comics from the comic store. Um, <clears throat> decided to, to start going over these. I've currently read issues one through three of Warlord, and uh, they were really fantastic. And Warlord first appeared in a title called First Issue Special, and that First Issue Special ran from 1975 to 1976. You got a lot of strange characters in there. You got like the first appearance of Atlas, the first appearance of the Manhunter 2... Uh, you got the first appearance of the Warlord in issue number 8, and Demos, which is the villain. Um, you got the first appearance of the Outsiders, which wasn't Batman and the Outsiders, it was a different group. And first appearance of Starman uh, 2, which showed up in the James Robinson um, series as well. So you got a a lot of uh, good good issues. I have most of them except for issue number two and issue number four. Issue number two was uh, a premiere of uh, the Green Team, and uh, issue number four was Lady Cop. And uh, those those issues I'm still searching out for to see if I can get them for fairly cheap so I can finish my run on this title. But uh, I've always been fascinated with with Warlord. When I first started going to the comic shop, I saw the covers and it really appealed to me. And from there on, it, I, I haven't seen her 
read it since the recent Bruce Jones run, and it got. I recently won an eBay auction, which won the entire run of Warlords. I have dupes of the like from 103 on, but um, it's it's a title that's always uh, appealed to me. And um, this particular issue is an all Mike Grell issue. All, Mike Grell did the art and writing of this book, and uh, he did a damn good job. Um, this this series opens up as as a Demos has captured Tara, which is kind of like War, Warlord's woman, and um, Warlord is an Air Force pilot that like uh, crash landed in the Arctic or something, and he ended up finding Skataris. And uh, he's been hanging out with Tara since he's pretty much been here. And they've kind of been slaves off and on and been captured. And eventually Demos captured Tara for whatever reasons. It seems like he's sexually attracted to her or something. Well, Warlord gets a band of uh, of, of barbarians and, and villagers and everybody together. And they, they develop like catapults and... Um, crossbows and they attack demos and they have these huge towers so they could scale uh scale the castle really easily well demos is there with tara and uh he goes to his book of spells and creates this huge demon to start attacking the towers and start crushing everybody but uh warlord's got his uh his pistol you know that he found in his uh, aircraft ship in the last issue in issue number three and he ends up he ends up looking at Demos, and he sees like this huge, glowing green uh, item, and he ends up shooting it with his pistol, which is really cool. And once that happens, that that demon goes away, and then they continue on with their attack. <clears throat> also, in this issue, they have a uh, an interesting ad that shows like a spinner rack with very, I guess, various titles that they're uh, trying to um, plug, and one of them is a uh, Strange Sports, um, which sounds like an interesting uh, title. This one has like superheroes playing in a World Series against supervillains, I guess, <laughs> which sounds kind of funny. They have a Three Musketeers comic appearing in DC Special, and in the Giant, they have giant-sized superheroes battle super gorillas. That sounds pretty interesting, and a Superman family, which has uh, Challengers of the Unknown. I would have loved. To, I'd love to read any of those, to tell you the truth. And what else do we got here? Uh, as the attack is going on, they break into the building, and he sees Tara with uh, Demos. And Demos is, knows he's in trouble, so he's like, "Hey, warlord, you know, fight me man to man," because I'm already defeated. And they end up getting in this huge sword fight. Which is really done really well. It's like kind of like done in the dark, but uh, Demos draws first blood. He hits him in the wrist, like where he's got his gauntlets, and it looks like he's bleeding. But then Warlord goes nuts and ends up he ends up doing a slashing his blade, but you don't see if what it does or how it affects Demos. So um, you don't know if he's dead or not, other than he's lying on the floor. I don't think he's dead. But on the last uh, scene, you see Demos clutching the tech, the technical operations manual um, for a computer, which it kind of gets you the impression that he came from uh, Earth as well. And this guitarist is kind of like Middle Earth, so he probably came in through like the way uh, Travis Morgan did. So that's how that issue ends. They have a uh, an ad for a collector's treasury edition called The Secret Origins of D- DC Superheroes. That looks pretty cool. 
I would like to get that. And another ad for a 1977 Super DC calendar. And at the at the end, you have the letters page. And around this time, I guess Green Lantern was starting to go solo again from the Flash book. Because they have an ad for that. And under Direct Currents, they have uh, ads for uh, Hercules Unbound number 8. House of Mystery 248. Which was by, uh, one of the stories was by David Michelini, which is kind of cool, because I'm a big fan of his. And Super Friends number two. So this was around when Super Friends comic was coming out. I had a bunch of those, but I don't know what happened to them. And uh, World's Finest 242. So uh, that's what they talk about. And then they have on sale right now, Brave and the Bold 131, which is Batman, Wonder Woman versus Catwoman. Green Lantern number 92. Uh, Superboy 222, and Superheroes Battle the Super Gorillas, and Welcome Bart Carter number two. I'd like to get my hands on those. And they have a trivia. I guess in these these 1976, they used to have uh, trivia quizzes, and this one doesn't have the uh, answer until next issue. But um, it says we've concentrated on superhero line for quite a while so let's switch over to our mystery magazines this time around can you name the hosts or hostesses for house of mystery house of secrets the witching hour and plop uh answers in next week's planet well house of mystery and house of secrets is you know cain and abel the witching hour i do not know and i don't have an issue of that and plop my brother had a, a whole run of plop but I don't remember. Plop was like a Mad Magazine type cartoon comic. And uh, I don't have any of those. But I'd like to pick those up if I could ever find them. And it says answers to last week's quiz. I can't remember what it was. But it says Bruce Wayne's parents were Thomas and Martha Wayne. Lois Lane's parents are Sam and Ella Lane. Which I don't. I didn't know that. Iris Allen's father is Professor Ira West. And Supergirl's parents are Zarel and Alura of Krypton, and Fred and Edna Danvers of Earth. So that's some good, awesome trivia facts. And the last page has the superhero stick-ons. Um, stick your favorite up anywhere in seconds. I had these these uh, stickers for Marvel that came out, and um, I used to put them all on my door. <laughs> So my door to my room had superhero stickers all over it, but it was mostly dressed with the Marvel superhero stickers um, because I got the Marvel set. And a lot of them came in the cards. When when you bought like a deck of Marvel cards, you'd get a few of them that were stickers, and I'd stick those on the doors. And the ones that I had, the Marvel stickers had like a... It was like Luke Cage and a bunch of other characters. And then there would be saying like ridiculous thought balloons or something that were kind of funny. I, I think they were all made to be humorous. So my whole door was dressed dressed up in those stickers. Uh, recently my, uh, my parents decided to take down the door and uh, throw away the door and get new doors. But it was up there for quite some time. And I always liked to look at it when I went back home. Alright, well that's all I have for Warlord number 4. Uh, other than it, it smells really nice, and the one, the copy that I got was in really good shape, and um, for for 1976, because I think he listed them all in very good condition, and this looks more like fine to me. Uh, some of the others looked very good, but this one looks really good, and this was published bi-monthly. I didn't realize that. 
what it was. But it had a long run, so, you know, Sword and Sorcerer was kind of big in this time period. That's all I have. Bye. Next book I want to talk about is Iron Man Viva Las Vegas. This one just came out recently. It's a Marvel Knights title written by John Favreau and Adi Gravnov. It's uh, issue number one of four. And it opens up with um, two people going through um, the Yangtze uh, looking for some ruins. And uh, he refers to the woman as Miss Bloodstone. Now, I've heard Bloodstone before, but uh, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you where that name came from. But they're actually going through the ruins and they find a huge dragon uh, artifact. And then they end up taking it, and you don't know where it's going. And then it opens up with, uh, you see Tony Stark in coach, or maybe he's in first class, in a, a Stark Airlines airplane, and he's talking to the woman next to him when a terrorist decides that he's going to blow up the whole ship. And he, Tony makes his way into the bathroom, and all of a sudden Iron Man appears and takes the terrorist, or he blows a hole in the airplane, uh, so I'm surprised that people don't get sucked out to begin with, and takes that terrorist out, and that terrorist hit the button, so he blows up in Iron Man's arms. And everybody's pissed off at Iron Man. I, I guess they're not fly flying in the United States. Um, I'm not quite sure where they're flying, but they're really pissed off that that he blew up. Every I guess they were going to Paris. It looks like that way. And then in, in uh, Las Vegas, Stark has a uh, huge, I guess, casino out in Las Vegas. And he sees two hot chicks in a hot tub. And they look really hot. They have tattoos all over. They're really nice looking tattoos, though. And he, he's like, hey, you want to come up to my suite? Well, actually, he says, I wanted to let you know that there's a tattoo counting contest about to begin up in my suite. And, he's, and the woman says, what's the prize? I'm sure we can come up with something. So uh, he invites them up to their suite. Meanwhile, there's another casino called the Golden Dragon that is assembling that dragon they found in the Yangtze. Um, I'm pretty sure this dragon's going to be like Fin Fan Foom, Foom or something like that. But they assemble the head on there. And all of a sudden, all these lizards start heading their way towards that casino. And meanwhile, you have uh, Tony Stark um, talking to those two women. Looks like he's about to get some action. And looks like he might have gotten action, but Pepper interrupts him about what's happening with all the lizards heading through the casinos. And last thing you see is the uh, the golden dragon, the the dragon they assembled. Its eyes light up. It was really well written, and the artwork is really beautiful. I, I'm not sure I liked his work when uh, I think he did the extremist storyline with Warren Ellis, and I didn't care for it. But uh, I would give this book an A. It was it was really good, and I'm coming back for the next few. It. It is classic Tony Stark. So this would be a good book for, for somebody who liked the movie to pick up because it really didn't talk about his ties to S.H.I.E.L.D. or, or what was happening with the uh, Civil War or any of that stuff to complicate matters. But uh, 
It was really good. Next book I'm going to be talking about is uh, Micronauts number two. I've also recently won a full run of Micronauts from eBay for a really good price. And uh, this particular issue is from 1979. And it continues off from number one where they're escaping from the micro-universe and from Baron Karza, who, who seems to have taken over the micro-universe and is after um, Princess Mari, who's also known as Marionette. Uh, I thought in the last issue that they killed her brother, but uh, he shows up in this issue. And then you got uh, Commander Ran, who's known as Space Glider. Um, he was like in um, suspended animation for many years because he traveled somewhere needed to be. And then you got Bug, who was always visually the coolest looking uh, Micronaut to me. Um, Acro Year, Microtron, and Biotron. And this one opens up as they're tra- they're going through the um, they're going through a wall. I, I can't remember what they call it, the space wall. They break through and they end up on Earth and they crash land in some guy's yard or some guy's mowing the grass. <laughs> so they, they get out of the ship. They don't know where they're at. And the first thing they encounter is a, a huge swing set and they don't know what the heck it is. And then a, a huge cocker spaniel comes running through the grass and distracts everything and tries to eat them. And we have some cool ads in here. Back in the good old days, you had like uh, you could buy stuff from a th- place called Superhero Merchandise, and that's where they had all those Mega uh, Mago dolls. And they were advertising Green Green Goblin, Lizard, Iron Man, Captain America, Torch, Mister Fantastic, and Invisible Girl. I have all of those except for the lizard. I don't have the lizard. And then they also are advertising the 12 and a half inch dolls. Um, <clears throat> I guess this place is called uh, Heroes World. And this is where my parents used to order stuff from for like Christmas and stuff. We used to get a Heroes World uh, catalog. And uh, we got a lot of stuff from Heroes World. They have a Spidey web maker for two ninety eight. They have a Spider-Man thing in Hulk Banks that you could buy. They sell all the books, like books and calendars and that kind of thing, like Marvel Mazes and Marvel's uh, Greatest Superhero Battles, a pin-up book, all kinds of good stuff. Those are good old days where you had a store dedicated to comics. And continuing with the, the Micronaut story in this issue, they end up... I think Biotron ends up taking out the dog, which is kind of pissed pissed me off because it's not the dog's fault, but he has to do what he has to do, and uh, I think the dog's alive. He just kind of like knocks him out, and Karza's sending um, a uh, a team after the Micronauts, and then this this kid is mowing the grass, and uh, he almost picks up Acroyer and Bug in the the mower, but Acroyer um he, he ends up throwing the mower and hitting the kid in the head. And then they start talking, but they speak a language in which the, the kid cannot understand. So um he, he's really confused. He's like, hey there's a bunch of toys in my yard that are talking. And then it has a nice bonus poster of Time Traveler 
And he's a micronaut that uh, shows up every now and then and talks to uh, Sky Glider, I believe that's, or Space Glider, and Marionette. He shows up from time to time. I don't know much about him. I don't know much about the micronauts, as I, I haven't read them in years, and I only had like one or two issues. And then they have an ad for uh, Shogun Warriors and the Micronauts. So uh, if you if you subscribe to both those books, you'd end up getting a Marvel Super Special of Battlestar Galactica. I never read the Shogun Warriors. I had a few. I had these like I think they were like two inches, maybe two inches, maybe an inch and a half uh, Shogun Warriors that were like metallic figures, and. Um, I found them recently, and they're in really good shape, so I was pretty happy about that. And then we have uh, another advertisement, subscribe to Pizzazz. Now, I'd never read a Pizzazz, but uh, apparently you get a lot of good stuff in there. Like, it talks about Star Wars, games, puzzles, prizes, TV, movies, rock, funny stuff. So it was like a pop culture magazine from Marvel Comics. I'd like to get a hold of one just to uh, thumb through it and see what it was about. I've heard some people on the forums talking about it. And then you have an ad for subscribing to Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man was appearing in five different titles at this time. Spidey Super Stories, Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man, Marvel Team-Up, Amazing Spider-Man, and Marvel Tales. And then you got a good uh, ad for grit. You could sell grit and make lots of money. Win lots of prizes. So, um, Acre Year has a brother. And uh, I'm not sure I know what his name is. But he he's actually ch- trying to break through the uh, space wall to try to come after Acre Year. And the... They actually turn on their uh, translators, the Micronauts, and they're able to talk to this boy, so they tell him their story. And uh, all of a sudden, while they're telling him the story, the uh, the villain comes through and the space wall and starts shooting at the boy and everybody else. And these ships that are in this book, um, they look like toys that, that I had at one time. So I believe all these ships and toys were available at this time. But anyway, the kid ends up swiping one of the ships into a tree, knocks it out, and the Micronauts try to escape. Got a lot of ads in this book, which is really cool. But uh, next you got a ad for um, The Hands of Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. It's a full-page ad, and this at this time it's done by Doug Munch and uh, Mike Zeck. That's another series I'd like to tap into because I don't know nothing about. And so they're attacking this boy. This boy's fending pretty good for himself. And the uh, Micronauts are battling these. There's a, several ships coming after them, and they're they're fending off fending them off pretty good. Then you got your bullpen bulletins and Iron Man and a Twinkie ad. Well, the Micronauts get back into their ship, and they they take off. And I guess that Acro Acro Year's brother is uh, Shiatan. He's uh, actually gets swatted by the kid by the rake, and ends up crashing into his yard. And at the end of this series, that poor kid's 
yard is devastated. I mean, you've seen the swing set, set on fire, the tree on fire, the lawnmower turned over, the grass is on fire, and all he's saying, they're all gone. Gee, what am I going to tell Dad? So that poor kid gets stuck with the, the mess of the Micronauts. And it says, next month, death duel at Daytona Beach. Don't miss it. And then you got an ad for 100 toy soldiers for $1.75. I had I had this box and I actually found it the last time I was in Albuquerque. I had ordered this through the comics. And the last page is Kiss, which has pictures of Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Peter Chris, and Ace Furley. Freely, sorry. Uh, that's it for Micronauts. And, oh, the uh, creative team on this was Bill Matlow and uh, Michael Golden. And the artwork is really solid. The story was interesting enough, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next issue, which I'll probably talk about in the next Rocky Mount comic book noise as I'm going through these issues. The next book I want to talk about is uh, The New Avengers, which is a fairly current issue. It's the annual, it, annual number two and it's written by Brian Michael Bendis with penciler Carlo Pac-Leon. Um I was re- really like this issue. That's why I wanted to talk about it. The first page is awesome because this continues from uh, A New Avengers. I read it out of sequence, unfortunately. But uh, I read it fairly recently, so I, I remember what happened. But what happened is the uh, the New Avengers captured the Hood's gang and it consisted of a lot of different villains and they were all imprisoned within S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, uh, this book opens up with those villains breaking out of the S.H.I.E.L.D. um, out of S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. Uh, The Hood is actually the one that breaks them out because they signed up with them. He says they'll never be incarcerated for a long period of time and indeed here they weren't. So, um, the opening page is really awesome because it shows it shows every character that's in the book. So you got the Hood, Scarecrow, Razor Fist, Blood Brother, Bushwhacker, Centurius, Vermin, the Corrupter, Madame Mask, who's an Iron Man villain, and then the Wrecking Crew, which I love. The Wrecker, Pile Driver, Bulldozer, uh, Thunderball, and then you have the Answer. I don't know who that is. Blackout. Wizard, Camistro, who's a Paramount and Iron Fist uh, villain that showed up in the old series, Cutthroat, Brother Grimm, Living Laser, Death Watch, not sure who that is, uh, Purple Man, Dr. Demonicus, Griffin, who th- Griffin turned up a lot in the Champions, so I'm aware of him, Crossfire, and uh, Jigsaw, which is a Punisher villain. So uh, you have all those these villains, and they, they end up the hood ends up breaking them out of prison. And where do they go first? Is uh, they end up in uh, Tiger's bedroom, and the hood has a gun to Tiger's head, and they're like, "You got to tell me where you know the new Avengers are, so I can attack them." And she have <laughs> in her bedroom, she has like a room full of twenty five villains, and they're getting ready to beat the shit out of her. And uh, she tells them that uh, they're in Doctor Strange's house, so she gives them up pretty quick, out of fear, I guess. 
And uh, the scene opens up with uh, Night Nurse and um, Jessica talking with her baby. And the New Avengers returning back to uh, Doctor Strange Sanctum Satorium, which looks like a, an abandoned building at this time. At, at one time, it looked like a Starbucks or something, I thought. And the uh, first thing that Wolverine wants is food because he's hungry, and Wong is like, no, you can't go into my kitchen and mess things up. Doctor Strange appears to be really sick, and Night Nurse seems to want to attend to him. And Spider-Man wants to take off to go take care of other business, and there's some talk about Skrulls. But what's interesting about this is this new organization led by the Hood, they kind of like stand together and they're going to attack the Avengers. And it's kind of like when the um, the Avengers book, the Masters of Evil attacked the Avengers, beat the crap out of Jarvis, and left a lot of the Avengers in the world of hurt. This is what this issue reminded me of, and it was really cool. Um, the Hood seems to be possessed by some type of being, and uh, he's got some kind of magic about him because he can actually see them inside of the Sanctum Saturium. And um, Spider, the first thing they notice is Spider-Man's leaving, and his spider sense is going off. So they're they're kind of lucky that Spider-Man decided to leave because he kind of like saw all these guys outside the building, and he's like, "Holy shit!" And uh, he comes breaking in through the window, and the first thing he does, this is kind of cool, is he takes the baby, you know, Luke Cage's baby, and Alias's baby, and um, he swings out the window. Now Jessica is pissed off because they took the baby. And um, she doesn't know why he took the baby until all of a sudden uh, you see this the, the main window uh, being blown in, blown apart by Camistro. And then all the villains come back. And Spider-Man pretty much saved the baby, which I thought was cool. Because these villains didn't give a shit if there was a baby in there. baby would have probably been hurt really bad. But uh, there's a big old fight scene. Uh, the hood breaks into Doctor Strange's bedroom, ready to to blow him away. And um, Wong attacks. And there's a fight scene there with Wong. Meanwhile, a jigsaw has a is going to take out uh, Jessica and her baby. And uh, Spider-Man actually saves the baby again, which is pretty damn cool. But uh, the Avengers are like totally outnumbered, but they're at least fighting as a team. Whereas the uh, the villains, they're they're kind of fighting chaotic, and that's to the uh, new Avengers' advantage. And Luke Cage is really kicking ass. Like he goes, "These motherfuckers came at my baby," and he like punches the wrecker, like beats the shit out of him, and which is awesome. And meanwhile, Shield's outside, and they're seeing the building come apart. I guess, I'm not sure if they know that they're there, because um, they're like in a, a truck monitoring that building. And Crossfire's shooting up the blaze. Um, the Hood almost shoots Iron Fist, but runs out of bullets. And then Tigra appears. I guess she felt... Um, that she betrayed the team, so she came back into the fight scene. 
he draws Tigra freaking awesome. I mean, it's one of the best looking Tigras that that I've ever seen. Anyway, the hood breaks in, gets past Wong, shoots Doctor Strange like in the chest like twice. And then Doctor Strange's eyes light up. It looks like Doctor Strange is dead. But then he, he pretty much pops out of the bed. And then he like turns into this this demon. But before that, Wolverine's getting blasted by the living laser. The re- the wreck the wrecking crew is beating getting the best of uh Luke Cage. And then that razor fist is cutting up Iron Fist. So they're starting to lose. The Griffin punches Echo. Ronan gets blasted. They're starting to lose. And then Doctor Strange turns into this monster again. Almost looks like the monster that he became in World World War Hulk. And everybody's eyes light up like they're possessed by the demon. And at the end of this little tirade that he goes on, everybody's on the floor. And they look like they're in pain. Night Nurse goes to Steven, and then Steven is kind of out of it. And Wong ends up reading something out of a book and kind of restores the new Avengers back to the way they were. And Doctor Strange is feeling like totally bad and tells him they have to leave. So it's like he's almost quitting the new Avengers at this point. He says, forces I thought I could control, I can't. It was arrogance, the same arrogance that led me down the path I am in the first place. My hands are useless again, and I tried to disguise it all these years, and I've learned nothing. There's, I've had no time to deal with what I've done, and the forces are overpowering me. I wanted so much to help you, my friends. I wanted so much to help my old friend Bruce Banner, but I failed. And I have failed at my task as Sorcerer Supreme of this dimension. I don't think I can help you anymore. I need to atone for what I've done. I need to relearn all that I've lost, but put black magics, which I had no business using in the first place. I can't help you anymore. You have to leave here. We all do. So, he he was overcome by the dark side or a demon. In order, he had to, but he ended up taking out this whole group of supervillains. So, he, Doctor Strange is pretty freaking powerful, which I always knew that. And then Miss Marvel shows up with S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and she lets them go, which is kind of cool. And she kind of radios back to S.H.I.E.L.D., hey, they're all gone. But one of the soldiers is there, and she's saying, no, they're under arrest, they're not gone. But most of the soldiers there stand by Miss Marvel and her orders, except for one guy. He's like, you're under arrest, and she's like, shut up. And when you cut to the end of the series where the hood is, he, the hood escaped... And he's talking to somebody. And he's like, why did we lose? He's talking to that person. Okay, okay, you're right. I know how to beat them. And then you have Jessica showing up with her baby at uh, the Avengers Tower. And this continues directly with New Avengers with the, the issue where Luke Cage is on the cover. And it basically is a big fight between Luke Cage and Jessica about why she left and all that kind of stuff. But see, I read this out of sequence, so I was like, why did Jessica leave? And now I totally understand why she left. And I can't blame her for leaving and want to, wanting to register because her baby was in danger. And 
I mean, the baby could have died with this attack. So um, I can see why she signed up in, in, in that next issue of New Avengers. But this was really a damn good issue. I got so engrossed in this series, and it was an all-out brawl. And the artwork was beautiful. And I thought Doctor Strange was going to die, and he ended up turning into this monster that took out the whole uh, set of villains that attacked and now they're back in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. So, that is New Avengers Annual Number 2. Uh, I'd give it an A. It was fabulous. The next book I want to talk about is Dazzler, Issue Number 2. And it is from 1981, with the cover price of 50 cents. On the cover you have the Enchantress uh, and Dazzler fighting... And uh, Dazzler's focusing her power on the disco ball. And on the cover it says, Last Stand in Disco Land. Guest starring Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, and the Avengers. And this cover is by John Romita Jr. Um, The story is by Tom DeFalco. And the the pencils are by John Romita Jr. And Alfredo Alcala is the inker. Um... The art in this is so freaking good. I mean, this John Romita Jr. stuff is, is so different than the stuff he does today. It's much more detailed, much more comic book looking than the abstract stuff he kind of does today, which seems to be real popular. But I, I like this stuff better. He draws a damn good Dazzler. But the story opens up with Dazzler in her makeup room. You know, she's getting ready to go on stage and uh, are getting ready to to perform her concert, which she won, like, the Battle of the Stars against Enchantress in the last one where they had a a sing-off to find out who's going to work in the club. And then the story cuts to the Fantastic Four, and things getting all dressed up in the the tuxedo, and Torch is in a tuxedo. He must have uh, washed it or treated it with the unstable molecules because it's not burning and he's he's on fire and he's trying to rush the thing and the thing gets pissed off and he claps his hands together and kind of like puts out Johnny's flame (laughs) so they're on their way to see the Dazzler in her concert so she's got a huge following in the superhero community I, I gotta find out where her first appearance is because these all these characters or acting like they know who she is and she's really popular. And then it cuts scene cuts the danger room and uh Kitty Pride comes in. We got to make Dazzler's premiere and she interrupts her session. And then they they're heading off there. And then you cut to Avengers Mansion and uh Captain America's getting ready getting all dressed up to go to the concert and he's in a, an old suit and um He's got his shield strapped to his back, and he puts a jacket over there. I can't imagine how uncomfortable or how big that jacket would be to have to include his shield in there. And Wasp is giving him a hard time about how he's dressed, and he's dressed like he's in World War II. She's the you know the fashion queen, so she's obviously giving him a hard time. And Beast is all dressed up in a, a funky checkered jacket. It's green with some striped green pants and a yellow bow tie. <laughs> and he's they're, they're heading off to the disco. And they all arrive there. And they're getting ready for the concert. And Dazzler comes out singing and roll, on her roller skates. 
and Enchantress is backstage, and uh, she's so pissed off that that she didn't win the contest because she's a portal for a demon to come across. And she uh, puts on a spell. Oh, oh, Peter Parker and Mary Jane are there too as well. At least I think it's Mary Jane. Didn't notice that the first time. And uh, she puts a spell on her, which uh, while she's on stage, she just starts aging. Like she starts turning into an old woman. But she's trying to keep her composure, Dazzler is, on stage. And she's trying to focus all her, her power on the the disco ball and she blasts it with uh, her light powers and Enchantress loses her uh, her focus on the spell so uh, Dazzler's back to normal on page 8 there is a beautiful shot of Enchantress I mean JR draws her so damn good John Romita Jr. And, and all the superheroes realize that Enchantress is behind this so they rush to the bathrooms to go change so it looks like you have the thing, you know, getting out of his tux, and I, I can't tell who the other characters are. You probably have Iron Man changing in there, and Captain America, and they're they're all getting into their their superhero gear. Peter Parker runs in, and he's like, you know, the bathroom's full, so he can't change there. So he goes up into the ceiling tiles and changes there. And uh, meanwhile, Dazzler is is trying to fend for herself, fighting the Enchantress, not having much luck. But out comes all the superheroes. You know, you got the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, the Avengers, and um, Spider-Man all coming to uh, support Dazzler. But Enchantress is not easy to defeat. She conjures up uh, all kinds of demons to fight off all the superheroes, so these demons just pop out of a portal and start battling the uh, the, the super, various super teams. And they start winning, but there's like an infinite number of demons, so they're not making much progress as far as helping Dazzler out. You got a nice ad for Bubble Yum. That was good gum. Well, it still is. It says, now the number yum taste is even yummier. So you got it chase it cuts to various teams f- fighting these demons and uh it's got a lot of X-Men fight scenes with Kitty and Wolverine and Storm and in this it it uh mentions uh, Kitty's age she's only 13 at this time which I thought was interesting and in the center spread you have a ad for Mile High Comics and this was like 1981 it had an expiration date but damn it, there was some good comics for really cheap. I mean, back then you could get like Hulk 102 for 15 bucks, 103 through 105 for 6 bucks. I mean, a lot of those early issues, Fantastic Four number 20 for 30 bucks. Like the first appearance of Silver Surfer for 25 bucks. Captain America 100 for 12 bucks. I mean, just just looking at some of these, I wish I would have bought them back in the day. A lot of them were two bucks each. Wow, this is really, really cool to see what the price of comics were at that time, going from a back issue vendor. And then the demons start to, uh, it seems like they're turning the tide and actually starting to win a little bit. And then the Enchantress conjures up the huge demon, which she was there for in the first place, 
to come come out of the, the portal. And this is the one she wanted to be there for, so she can eventually get more powerful than Odin himself. And Dazzler focuses all her energy with all the noise that's going around, because she takes sound and turns it to light. Ends up blasting the demon, which clo closes the portal, and really pisses off the Enchantress. And at this time, at, when the Enchantress takes off, she escapes, and all the superheroes are left there, and they're trying to comfort Dazzler because she's all upset because she thinks her career is over. Well, some guy says he represents this guy, Harry Osgord, and he gives her a card, so she needs to go see him. And next thing you see, she's in an Avengers Quinjet with every single team that was there. I can't believe they're all there for her. And, um... They're taking off to see that Harry Osgood. And uh, we have a subscription holiday offer for Marvel Comics. And in this year, you could subscribe to Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers, Captain America, Conan, Daredevil, Dazzler, Defenders, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, Ghost Rider, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, Man Thing, Marvel Premiere, Marvel Spotlight, Marvel Team Up, Marvel 2-in-1, Master of Kung Fu, Micronauts, Moon Knight, Peter Parker, Power Man and Iron Fist, Rom, Savage She-Hulk, Spider-Woman, Spidey Super Stories, Star Trek, Star Wars, Thor, X-Men, King Conan, and What If. So there's quite a few tiles you can get. You have a grid ad, and another ad for... Heroes World, where they're advertising the Mago dolls again. Uh, they have Spider-Man, Captain America, Falcon, Hulk, Superman, Batman, Robin, Shazam, Riddler, Penguin, Aquaman, Wonder Girl, and M Mr. Mixelplick. And then they have the larger versions as well, which I've never, never ever seen. Those were 12 and a half inch. The regular Magos were 8 inches tall. And then they had the uh, monsters, the monster dolls, which Frankenstein and Dracula, I actually had the Frankenstein one. It's pretty cool. Well, they end up, she ended up getting to uh, Osgood's office, and uh, she says, here, I'm here for an audition. She says, you didn't make an appointment, bug off, sweetie. And then the beast shows up. <laughs> at, at the door, and the secretary is just uh, fascinated with the beast. And she, like, thinks to herself, I knew entertainers kept exotic pets, but this. And while she's just, like, shocked with the looks of the beast, Dazzler sneaks into his office, and his attitude is like, what are you doing here, bitch? You know, why are you here to audition? What makes you so special? Then he looks out his window, and all the superheroes are outside his window. And Thing decides to tap on the glass and break the window. <laughs> He's like, shouldn't you superheroes have something better to do and instead they're all there she gets her audition she's got one chance to make her audition Iron Man's center part, centerpiece in the middle <laughs> it provides the light for the show so she can perform and then he provides the music off of his off of his circuitry as well so she can start singing and she supposedly blows this guy away and uh she gets the job, and one of the things he says at the end is, "And the cost of the new picture window, the, and the cost of the new picture windows coming out of her first paycheck." 
So Thing broke the window, and she's going to have to pay out of her paycheck. What a bastard. Next issue is Dazzler Takes on Doctor Doom. The last page is an interesting pinup. It's got Dazzler there. And it's got some words at the bottom. I thought this was really interesting. It says, We've heard that some of you have had trouble finding a copy of Dazzler Number 1. And we know how frustrating that can be. Well, we're not about to let you down. We compiled a list of places where our Dazzling New Stars first collector's item issue can be obtained at cover price. And then it says, For more info, write to this particular Marvel Comics address. I thought that was interesting. They're actually helping people find an issue. I hope you come back next time where I'll be talking about some more back issues and some current issues as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed um, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise Episode 10. If you have any feedback, you can go to the forums at thecomicforums slash forum 2 under Comic Book Noise, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise and leave a comment there. Or you can go and send me a feedback at mike at comicbooknoise.com on the episode. Thanks a lot, and hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. Bye. Jugs and orbs and darts and gourds Elmer fuds and bouncing buddhas Sweater stretchers, lung protectors Beach umbrellas, frost detectors Scooby snacks and snake eyes dice Jello molds and high beam lights Every day I probably use 99 words for boobs Humpty Dumplings, Hardy Boys, Double Lattes, Ode to Joys, Hooters, Shooters, Physics, Tutors, Bobsy Twins and Bald Commuters, Double, Double UMDs, MREs and PFDs, Snow White Dwarfs, Picasso's Cubes, 99 Words for Boobs. Gerbers, servers, holy grails, whoopee cushions, humpback whales, flying saucers, traffic stoppers, super big gulps, double whoppers, pillows, billows, gondolillos, soft serve cones and armadillos, pimped out hubcaps, inner tubes, 99 words for boobs. Midget earmuffs, warming globes, strobes and probes and frontal lobes, knockers, honkers, knicker bonkers, smurfs and screaming yellow zonkers, panning cannons, Mr. Biggs, big bad wolves and porky pigs, jogging partners, sailing noobs, 99 words for boobs. Two-point jumpers, Bambi's thumpers, rubber baby buggy bumpers, rutabagas, kyomegas, swag the showgirls show in Vegas, Congo bongos, bowling pins, fast pitch softballs, Siamese twins, your claims I'm breast obsessed are true. 
We're quite a pair, cause I'm a boob, too.